Hello. Hey, everyone. Um, hope you're all staying safe and healthy during this time. Uh, mm -hmm. We wanted to hop on really quickly um, for a number of reasons. Uh, so first of all, um, we feel very strongly about Black Lives Matter and we stand in solidarity with protesters. Um, we recorded this podcast before any of this went down and we realized that we didn't want to pretend like nothing was happening. Correct. Um, with that in mind, uh, we would like to encourage you to donate if you are able to do so, but obviously it's important for you to find organizations whose mission resonates with you. Right, um, so there is a number of places where you could donate as well as sign petitions. Um, there's quite a few change.org positions out there, not just for George Floyd, but for many other people who have been affected by police brutality. Um, <clears throat> so please do your part in trying to find these petitions. They are everywhere on the internet at this point. You can find them and you can sign them. Um, I'm also encouraging you to donate to the George Floyd Memorial Fund, which is on GoFundMe, um, as well as the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Um, there are quite a few other places to donate, just like Julie was mentioning, but um, I just want to encourage other people that if you have the funds to be able to do, do your part and um, just do what you can to support the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, this movement may seem like, for some people, may seem like it's uh, become a big issue over a week, but this is something that has been going on for decades, um, if not centuries. <laughs> and so I would just like to encourage our listeners to try to educate themselves, um, as well as use their voice um, just with everyone who is protesting right now, those who have been jailed this weekend because of this, and definitely those who have been affected by police brutality, um, whether they are alive or not, is including their families and all of their loved ones who are affected by it. Um, and so we wanted to post this before our episode, just so, um, just to get the word out. <clears throat> and just show that we are also standing in solidarity. And um, for some of you, Minneapolis may seem really far away or, oh, things like that don't happen in my community, um, but it happens everywhere all around the world. So I yeah. would encourage you to find um, ways to take action in your own community as well. Mm -hmm. And... Um, especially for my fellow white people to find ways to educate yourself. Uh, the systems are not, like instances may raise awareness, but systems are not going to change unless we all do the work. So do some self-reflection right. and think about um, <clears throat> what we can do better. Yeah. I also want to encourage non-black people during this time to listen to black voices on the internet um <laughs> hear their cries hear their calls for desperation like they are hurting we i should say i'm black we are hurting right now um and it is a very tough time we go through this mass protesting at least once a year um and it is really hard to see even the ones that don't get as much attention as these do, every single one hurts the same. Um, so please try to listen to Black voices, not just celebrities. Listen out to your friends that you know on the internet that are Black. Um, you know, their feelings are valid as well. If you are going out and protesting, um, I know protest has breached beyond America's borders. So if you are going out there and protesting, please do stay safe. 
there is still a virus out there. So if you're going out there to protest, please do wear your mask, bring your hand sanitizer. Um, definitely make sure you are taking the proper precautions before going out to protests. And just do your best to stay safe. So stay safe, stay healthy, and um, enjoy the pod. And we are back. Hello again, everyone. Hello. Hope everyone's doing well. Enjoying the docu-series. I'm already falling behind. (laughs) Yeah, I... um, I haven't seen the one that was released today or yesterday. I think today. I stopped at two. I was like, maybe I'll just watch these in real time. But the timeline keeps spoiling it all for me. So there's no... Yeah. Don't watch it. It's kind of dangerous, I know, because part of me was like, what if I wait for the next ones? Okay, so first of all, I should say apologies to everyone. We prepped you for episode one spoilers, and then we were talking about ep two, and something Kobe said in episode two, and so then I was like, maybe it's easier if I just like watch them as we record them, and I'm like not getting confused, but if you don't keep up, people are like, OMG, blah, blah, blah on the timeline, and you're like, well, exactly. there's that. <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway, I'm falling behind, but I'm trying to keep up with it in real time because otherwise Twitter happens. Yeah, I'm considering binge watching it and then going back to take notes. We'll see. That might be the move, honestly. I tried to take notes as I was watching, but clearly I didn't have a good enough, like, division system. Do you know how many episodes they're doing? I do not... I was sort of assuming, what did they do for the last docuseries? Was it like 12 or 13? I can't remember. I, yeah, whatever they did before is what I'm expecting. Yeah, I can't remember at all. Honestly, they release any content. I'm like, gratitude. (laughs) Except for VLives, because I'm just so far behind. It seems kind of pointless. And I was going to watch them, like, before we recorded the last one, because, you know, we were talking about, like, them dropping hints for D2 and stuff like that and I was like how am I going to be so like sad and in my feelings after watching all these V lives and then go on a podcast and be like happy like I can't (laughs) flip the switch (laughs) yeah so anyway I'll eventually catch up but (sighs) eventually all right well episode two was titled you can call me idol and it starts off with their show in Taiwan. So I guess I'll start off with what we were kind of talking about in the last, well, what we did talk about in the last episode, because mm-hmm. it was in the beginning of this episode of the documentary. Um, them talking about how, you know, they have to, they keep things on a consistent uh, narrative within their show. Yeah. How they have to think about at moving and stuff. Yeah. And they were mentioning how, you know, I guess they feel that way because there's there's first timers and then there's show there's people who come to every single show. Um so I was wondering, do fans care if they watch the same show over and over again? Like, do we ever get bored of what they do? Uh, so the first, like, reactionary part of me wants to say no, we don't, and I feel like if you're attending every show, you should expect some repetition. You would never go to, like, every single, I don't know, Ed Sheeran show and expect (laughs) a different set list every time, or any artist for that matter. I mean, I think there's something about a concert experience, like you were saying in our last episode when we talked about this by accident, about how 
it's so much more like the performance is a main component but it's so much more than that it's being in the same like sharing a space with them sharing memories with them like buying merch being with other army feeling like you don't have to qualify or like overly explain why you're there and why you like them there's just that huge sense of community so I feel like at a concert no what's your take um I guess I feel like there's something to be said about people who will are willing to pay to see the same show over and over again like you know that it's not going to be that much different from the last one but you are willing to pay anywhere from a hundred to like (laughs) a thousand at least you know like yeah like there's people that are paying mad money to be able to not even just for the concert ticket like think about travel that goes into it yeah so yeah I think there's a lot in that um I've never previously even had the thought of going to more than one concert more than one show for the same concert until BTS that was never even like a factor in my head that's Um, true and I'm pretty sure people do it with other artists but I just hear so many fans talking about oh you know I'm going to go to this show in that show and prior just speaking from a u.s perspective prior to this tour there wasn't as many stops so it wasn't like you could easily just go you know i'm gonna go to the florida show and then i'm gonna go to the georgia show because it's right there i can drive up no Mm -hmm. like they're like i'm gonna go to the la show new york la i'll go and then i'm gonna go to new york like this there's yeah and if i'm feeling extra spicy i'll go to toronto Exactly. So, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like if fans are willing to go to that length, I don't know if they they care so much about whether your show is different or not. I think at that point, they're just there to see you. Yeah, exactly. And it's so much more than that, because even on Twitter, you'll see people saying like, oh, I'm going to day one LA, or I'm going to day two Newark. And they're trying to connect with other ARMY. Like, it's obviously still about BTS, but it's not even about the set list at that point, you know? It's definitely more that sense of community. And I think, speaking from, like, past experience, for me, it was... It's such, like, a transcendentally happy day. You're so in the moment. You're so hyped up, wondering how things are going to unfold, what new friends you're going to make, what merch you're going to get that day right what's the weather gonna be what like cute little interaction are you gonna see between a member and another member the group as a whole um you're so in the moment and it's so different even with the same set list every time it really doesn't matter I've never been to multiple stops of the same tour so I can't really speak to that but I was not worried about anything else so I think people are trying to recapture that feeling yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say in the last podcast. Like, there's so many factors that they're not taking into consideration of what makes up a good show. It's not just the performance itself and whether it's the same or not. There's so many things that go into it, whether you thought the show was good or not. Things yeah. that they can't control at all. They have no control over those things. Did you just hear someone cough? No, let's keep going. <laughs> I got some weird feedback on the line, and I'm like, is that our personal FBI agent? Like, did we just get Zoom bombed? What is this? But anyway. I don't even want to consider whatever it is that you're talking about. Um, so next. <laughs> next, um, we have the debut of Scenery. I guess not a debut for us, but the first time I guess they were playing the song mm-hmm. um, and Promise. So we got to see the songwriting process for both Tay and Jimin, which I thought was really nice. Um, I guess because we, you know, we've seen 
the rap line so many times, but it's nice to see the other members, you know, trying to grow as artists. I mean, because you can be an artist, you can be a performer, you can be a singer or whatever it is you're doing and not branch out. And you can be really good at what it is that you're doing. Yeah. But you don't have to do other things. So it's nice to see them trying. Yeah, and I was just going to say what you just said. These aren't things that they have to be doing. Yeah. They're not. This is like extra growth, which is cool. I thought the dynamic between RM and Jimin, obviously I'm very biased, but that was like really interesting (laughs) and fun. Like just seeing, I feel like I've used the word iterative like in the last three podcasts, but just seeing the iterations of like how they work through what the lyrics should be or how they should be presented was really interesting. Right. Um, I feel, I feel like you can really see their learning there, like Tay and Jimin. I mean, obviously they've done this before, but from start to finish, you know, recording their own songs and right. kind of growing. Like when I see Yoongi making a song or Hobie or RM, like it feels like really far away and intimidating and like whoa they're on some next level stuff and then seeing like the learning process from the beginning with like Tay and Jimin is more like oh that's really cool that's something that like anyone could do but they're actually doing it so it's showing the work that's going into it not like some inherent songwriting genius as maybe some other members are billed as it's just interesting to see the growth right but that probably came with time too. Like, I'm sure Namjoon and Yugi didn't just come out like writing. They didn't. <laughs> they I know, I know. <laughs> I know. So, like, I know they even didn't, though, but it's sometimes portrayed that way. I feel especially. Right. Like, even though it seems like it comes so easy for them, it's because they've had years and years of this. <laughs> yeah years and years of being able to like master the art of songwriting um and even they struggle like you was talking about in his mixtape you know I'm like right yes. and I'm getting to the second one and I'm blanking <laughs> so yeah. even they struggle um yeah I thought it was nice just to I guess to see how much they admire and respect Namjoon as a songwriter or, you know, in general, um, you know, that Jimin was wanting to sit down with him. Like, can you help me with this? (laughs) Yeah. It was just cute. It was. It was really cute. Like I said, it was great for me to see their dynamic. I do worry about everyone overworking that kid, though. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Go sleep. Well, Go that, read a book. Uh, I don't care. song credits underneath his name then. Yeah. You know how when you... <laughs> so maybe, I don't know if it's... If you also feel this way. You write an essay. And man, you think this essay is just great. <laughs> and then you go to like the tutoring center or you ask someone to review it for you. And they're like, this is complete trash. Like rewrite it. I need you to write how you feel. I'm like, bro, that's what I just did. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder (laughs) when they're sitting with him sometimes, like, he's like, no, you got to do it like this. Like, well, why? (laughs) You know, like, why didn't it work the first way? I know. I was kind of feeling that, like, Jimin was getting a little frustrated, like, not in a bad way, but just exactly like you say, like, And then Tate's the kid that doesn't even go to the writing center, (laughs) like, at least in this episode, right? But who's like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) Not happening. This is, this is the Namjoon way. And it works, obviously. Yeah. Who's to say that my version wouldn't have slapped just as much as yours, you know? (laughs) It's like when you give someone something or, like, show someone something you've been working on. And they're like, yeah, it's really good. I think if you, like, do this, this, and this, it could be even better. You're like, no, you're supposed to tell me it's good. It's not fair. Exactly. <laughs> Leave me alone. 
But that's why I'm not a famous songwriter because taking critiques is <laughs> very difficult and also talent. But just saying. <laughs> I think because they trust him I'm in like a more serious vein because they trust him so much and they know like how much he's put into it and like how he definitely has their best interests in mind. They can like take his feedback more easily, I guess. Yeah. Like versus if like I as an outsider came in and was like it sucks like you'd probably be like all right bye but like he genuinely wants Jimin's song to do well yeah versus that random kid that was hired at the tutoring center who's in the same rate as you (laughs) making nine dollars an hour (laughs) yeah what do you know (laughs) there is one scene where Yugi is talking about um when one of us is having a hard time it's uh it's hard um for the others to see that it starts to weigh on everyone if we fall into a slump it can make it hard for everyone i'm like dang is this healthy (laughs) no it's very codependent i think about that a lot (laughs) i think about this probably more than i should it's not healthy It's healthier than doing it on your own. You have six other people in the same boat with you who, as Namjoon said in the last episode, yeah, are seeing things from, like, a slightly different angle. So whenever you're way too in your own head, you can get some other perspective. But you're also so insular. Like, I'm glad they have each other, but at the same time, I'm hoping that they have other friends they can vent to. In all seriousness, I'm hoping they have other friends they can vent to about their stress. Yeah, I guess I was like, what's the solution to this? Like, never show that you're struggling with anything? Because if you do, then it's going to affect someone else negatively. <laughs> yeah. Like, this doesn't... That's seem- not healthy either, though, clearly. Yeah. Like, none of this sounds right. That's like, we talked about this in the last episode, but with the whole, like, we don't fight anymore. We just, like, talk about it and move on. I'm like, what it... Don't you need to, like, process something? Like... I don't know. Yep. I must need to like work on my interpersonal complex skills. <laughs> but that's what I'm hearing. Like, do you remember? I think it was the Wembley show. Jimin's like non famous friend showed up with like a huge flag of his face, which is like so extra. <laughs> and how did you get that in there? But like, I was so glad to see that he had like friends that like weren't other celebrities yeah like that's healthy that's good you had another quote where he said even if i had to put a team together myself it would oh i had that one too out this well and i'm like dang yep you recognize it (laughs) you recognize it that's why i was kind of talking about i don't know if we even kept it in the episode but about just some part of bts having to be pure chance like destiny because you just can't explain their dynamic or why they are why they are where they are today without having to mention some bit of destiny like it can't just all be oh hard work no (laughs) it's almost like there's a larger hand to play here but then does everyone have destiny? Like, I don't know. That's a tangent for another time. But just think about that. Like, I think so. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Well. <laughs> you just don't know. That's just me. Yeah, so the notes I had were largely in line with yours so far. Tay saying about changing their hair color. Or I just had Tay. Uh, I think probably scenery. Then Hobie saying, do something new or ARMY get bored. Um, did Hobie also say that he gets bored? That's a comment that I have flagged. Or was he just saying, like, we sort of feel restricted by, like, sticking to the same said sheet? I don't know. I think that's what he was touching on more. And then I think RM was having a conversation about, like, new media. I just have convo about new media. Yeah, about how, you know, before for concerts, it wasn't all over the internet. So you'd hear someone say, like, 
you know, you got to go see this show. It's so great. And then you get to go see the show and you're like, wow, this is a show I've only heard about. But now you can watch basically BGS an entire concert online for free. And it's ruined for you before you even get to go see the show. There's no sense of surprise or. But we just, we totally shot that down saying it's so much more than that. Right. It might not be as surprising, but some people will like, I don't do this, but I know multiple people that do who will like intentionally make a set list playlist before the show just to like build the hype. So I don't think knowing in advance like ruins anything on that front. I, for the longest time, I was very much like that. I would not, I didn't like watching concert videos like on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I've never been the type (laughs) until recently maybe to watch like the full concert videos because I just wanted, I wanted the real life experience. I didn't want it to be ruined for me. I guess that's what I thought it would be if I saw it in its fullness online. Um, I was like that with CDs too. Like, I'm like, no, I'm going to buy this CD from Korea. <laughs> I'm going to wait, wait three weeks, three weeks <laughs> until it gets to my house. And then I'm going to listen to the album because I want that experience of like, well, dang. That's I your self-control. Yeah, that's how it was in the beginning. And then I'm like, mm, no, we don't have time for this. <laughs> so... I quickly grew out of that, and I grew out of the whole, like, I'm not going to watch concert videos thing until, I guess, after seeing them, it was like, what's the point in waiting? It's still just as good. It's even better seeing it in person than it is watching it online, so the experience doesn't compare. I'm not ruining it for myself by watching it online. Yeah. Seeing someone's fan cam is great. Seeing it with your own eyes, even better. Yeah. I have, like, okay, this might be way too personal. I sometimes have, like, weird out-of-body like experiences where I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm at the show. They're also here. Like, I just, like, get so in my own head where I'm just like, is this really happening? Like, I, I have no idea how to explain it, but it's weird. <laughs> No, I know what you mean. There was one time, it was the first concert I went to. I remember I landed in the airport in New York and I was like, I think I flew into, I honestly don't remember, maybe LaGuardia, which isn't really close to that much. Anyway, I was like taking a cab into Manhattan and it was the day before the show. So I think it must have been the day of the day one show. And I was just like, I'm in the same city that they're in. This blows my mind. And that sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but I really don't know how to communicate like the importance of shared space. I don't know. No, I would all I, I I would always say the same thing, like, oh my god, like I'm breathing the same air as them. <laughs> Yeah, no, right? Like, it sounds insane when you say it, sort of. But, yeah, maybe. For me, it it's almost like they didn't seem real until I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Like, it was kind of like, I see these guys on screen all the time, all right. but now I'm here, and, like, they're here in the same city. Like, I won't, but I could bump into them. Like. Right. I don't know how to explain it. It was just like a weird sense of like possibility and optimism, which is rare for me. <laughs> I'm almost like, am I really seeing them right now? Yeah. I've I've watched you via my computer screen this entire time. Like, yeah, I knew you were real, but it's different when you actually see them in person. And the crazy thing is, like, I even after multiple concerts, that feeling, like, doesn't really go away. Like, you would think after the first time I had the realization of, like, they are real people. Right. I would be like, okay, got it. But, like, somehow my brain is still, like, this person that you see on a six-inch screen is actually, like, a (laughs) six-foot-ish tall person. (laughs) Anyway, we're not going there, but just saying. Like, they're a full person. I don't know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So anyway, back to the episode. (laughs) 
Um, okay, so this was also the episode. So I put Lol at Shuga saying he couldn't have put a better group together himself. He obviously thinks very highly of himself, which is great. So that's like a good uh, compliment to Bong PD um, slash fate slash destiny. Um, but also JK overdoing it to the point of breaking. Like this is the episode where he's literally, that's my note. He's like icing his leg. I think they were like massaging him or he was like grimacing in pain. And I think this was also the episode where Hobie's like, um, dude, you need to give, like, 99% instead of, like, 120%. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Not in those words, but, like, that was the energy. Yeah, like, don't overexert yourself. Like, you, (laughs) he said, he mentioned that, um, Jungkook, like, basically gets to the point of, like, breaking his body just to give the performance. And I was like, oh, so is Jungkook (laughs) Jittos from One Punch Man? (laughs) You don't know what that is, but it's an anime. This character is a cyborg, and he lives his life trying to become um, great enough so that he can defeat this rogue cyborg that killed all his family. But anyway, this guy's absolutely insane. He just fights to the point where he's just basically like a head. Like, he loses all of his cyborg parts. Like, he just, like, he just fights so hard. How do they keep rebuilding him? <laughs> yeah, this, he just goes back to this doctor, and he just keeps getting rebuilt. And I was like, oh, so is this basically Jungkook? Like, he just keeps going and going until he's almost nothing left just to have to get him rebuilt back. I'm like, why is this guy like this? <laughs> why, why Maybe he has watched too much One Punch Man. <laughs> why does he keep going so hard, like, I, I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't healthy. But yeah, I'm like, shout out to Hobie for trying to reel him back in. Um, like, bro, Gosh, Hobie's telling you you're dancing too hard. Maybe you should listen to him. Exactly. <laughs> it was funny when Namjoon was like, like, he never does anything wrong. Why are you trying to break the kid's spirit? <laughs> like, listen. He's just trying to help him out in the end. I don't have any other notes on that one, actually. I don't either. This episode was... It wasn't short, but... I don't think it was as content-heavy. Oh, there was one last thing. Oh, I I also had one last thing, but you go first. Oh, no, you go. No, you. We're not doing this. I'm not speaking. You go. I was going to talk about what we did not talk about in the first podcast what do you think bts symbolizes oh bts are the true underdog story and at least in america that underdog story is like super addictive like i think it's human nature but like to root for the underdog i think that thing of like them just being like seven guys from a small company and working out of a garage crossing pretty much almost every barrier possible while not coming from like one of the big three it's just like super powerful and it's like a message of hope so that's my take what's your take um i definitely agree i i feel like bts symbolize hard work um perseverance and even if they may not be mm, in love with the dream that they've achieved <laughs> at the moment, um, I think they do represent dreams and being able to achieve them. Um, I think they represent love and acceptance, even when you don't really want to. <laughs> um, you know, accepting yourself, accepting all of your good and all of your bad, even when it's hard to do so. The fact that there's so many obstacles set up against um, people of color worldwide, and for them to be able to enter a market in the manner that no, I should say, they've been able to enter the global market in a way that no one has really done before, 
and not just entering it but like completely stomping all over it <laughs> like yeah. being completely triumphant um and not that it was easy but just knocking down all of these barriers to show that you know there's other people around the world who have a lot to offer and if we just open up our minds a little and open up our hearts to something different then we could see just how cool that stuff is just how cool they are as much as we admire and revere other western artists you know um or more so yeah or more so so i don't know i felt like they they symbolize a lot but they were i guess it's harder when you're trying to reflect on yourself right but yeah i just feel like they they symbolize a lot more in today's yeah age than they think they do yeah i was thinking I was literally thinking about this yesterday. Um, they really, I was thinking, I, I was sort of thinking about it when we were editing our last podcast and we were talking about like the end of 2016 and early 2017 with them. And I mean, if you kind of match up, if you, I don't think there's necessarily a connection between the two, but right, like I'm not, but if you line up when BTS became popular in the U.S. and you also line up certain political factors in the U.S., like if you look at the two timelines, there's been a huge rise of like xenophobia and like partisan divisions and I would argue intolerance and incivility across the board and quite frankly racism yeah not that it's not that a lot of these things are new but i think they've come bubbling to the surface uh very clearly in in that same period right and this is not only specific to the u.s you're seeing rises of like right-wing populism around the world and like divisions and like tribalism kind of in the sense of like we have to protect what's ours and I think you see that really starkly with COVID as well but this isn't a political science podcast (laughs) despite my interests in poli-sci but it's interesting because in that same context BTS has blown up in the U.S. so I kind of think the political system as it exists now does not match the globalized reality like whenever I despair and I guess this ties back to BTS giving me hope but the fact that even in a situation as ugly as we're in now that acceptance and success and perseverance uh that they can be popular in the U.S. and around the world it gives me hope that maybe like our differences are very real but there's still some unifying factors there there's another path forward right and human beings still want to like fundamentally connect with each other and that gives me hope yeah so they give me hope (laughs) that's the very short version (laughs) yeah it's like we're getting mm, we're getting closer to each other but sometimes we're also getting so far away from each other (laughs) what do you mean specifically we are becoming closer and more connected to each other than we had ever before and becoming more um culturally becoming more understanding of each other's cultures and recognizing differences but also at the same time sometimes we're not accepting those differences (laughs) so it's strange that you know we have instances like this where people from all over the world are able to connect and rally behind this one group that they may not necessarily have any cultural ties to. But in the same sense, there are some, you know, like in America, racism is still crazy prevalent. So we're, we're getting more connected globally, but 
in some senses we're not we're getting even more further away from each other um i just wanted to say the other thing i had was the airport thing that i mentioned last time and i can't remember if we cut it or not or if this is part of the episode two thing we left i think we cut it there's a scene at the end of episode two or various scenes when they're like in the airport and it kind of weirded me out how like people were crowding in um like they literally give us so much between like mixtapes the docu-series the concerts like Jungkook turning into a cyborg potentially like <laughs> they give us so much and this is their like travel day they're probably tired af oh can you hear me it's like being weird no now i can okay anyway um just all these people are at the airport screaming <laughs> like i'm at the airport i'm like do i go to starbucks like what time is it where i'm going right do i need to get a neck pillow like is there cheese dust on my yoga pants like what's going on like the idea of having like someone screaming at me on an already stressful travel day and yeah, they have whole teams of people managing things for them, so it's probably not like as stressful logistically, unless your name is Namjoon. Uh, but <laughs> like, it just weirded me out. Like, I love airport photos. I love seeing how they choose to express their fashion, and it's cool to know like what they're up to. But I guess I never really conceptualized before like what airport photos actually mean. Well. I feel as if in recent times, when they started banning all those crazy fans that were taking invasive airport photos of them, I feel that's when the fandom finally turned around and was like, all right, let's not um, support airport photos anymore unless they are specifically from an official source, like a news source. Yeah. I haven't seen um fan site airport photos since then (laughs) at least not on my timeline i guess there's other people that could be still following them but um yeah i wish we could eliminate going to see artists at airports period i just wonder like does i mean that happens with other k-pop groups obviously but you would never follow rihanna to the airport or would though I guess Beyonce <laughs> like <sighs> I think it's so I think a part of it is do you do this because you want to say I saw them when most people didn't are you thinking that I am going to get an interaction with them because I'll be closer to them than I normally would be at a concert Okay, but you running up to Jungkook in the airport with no pants on, like, the plot does not end well for you. <laughs> like, think about, like, point A, plot point A, plot point B, plot point C. He's not gonna be like, dang, this chick loves me so much. She didn't wear pants at the airport. I think I'm in love and we're dating now. Like, what is your end goal? Just leave him like, alone. For those people, you know, you're following them around every single city. You think you're funding them because you're giving them gifts so they owe something to you. Like, at this point, your thinking isn't rational. Honestly, that creeps me out because I think that's a manifestation of, like, rape culture. No joke. Like, on a date with someone, like, I bought her dinner so she owes me something. Like, yeah, bro, that's not how that works. (laughs) Yeah, or if someone, you you don't don't even know them that well, but they show up. at your house or they show up at the airport <laughs> waiting for you you'd be like what the heck is that i'd be like hi 911 <laughs> like, exactly I'm, if we could somehow normalize okay fans go to the airport and they see the artists they're looking for uh, i need you to maintain a certain distance don't have your cameras all up in their face and i need you to be quiet as well like don't like stop screaming. <laughs> I there trying to get a photo, trying to get a video so they can get clout for it. 
I honestly understand why like Yoongi is always covered head to toe. I would be having like insane anxiety. I don't like, I, I'm not claustrophobic, but I don't like being touched by people I don't know well. That might be a normal human response, but like also in crowds when like people are bumping into me, I get very angry. It's not even like fear. It's just rage. I'm like, back it up. <laughs> like, yeah, leave some room. I that's why, like, the Purple Ribbon Project is so cool when, like, people do it, right? Like, leaving space and they're, like, quiet and, like, whatever, but it's just, like... Or is that still happening? I don't know if people still do that. I remember <laughs> hearing about it, like, once or twice, but, like, you see videos of them in the airport and people are, like, up on them. Right. They should keep that up. I don't know if they do. Or, like I said, how about we just debt this whole thing? Like, why why do you have to go to the airport to see them? Well, yeah, you shouldn't at all, but that's just, my opinion. Like, when you really think about some of the things we do, it's like, this is kind of weird. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this to anyone else, so why do I, why, why would I do this to them? <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. I can't figure out, like, why it's so severe. Is it, like, the whole boyfriend trope thing again? But, like, why do you feel like you're entitled to their private time? I mean, even if they're on schedule, they're, like, working. If you showed up at my work unannounced and were like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Can I take a thousand photos of you? I'd be like, how did you even get in here? Like, get out of the office. <laughs> I think like we're friends. I don't get like what the deal is. I think everyone's searching for that why in moment. <laughs> like, you know, like that Wattpad AO3 unrealistic story of I'm going to bump into them at a coffee shop and we're going to fall in love. Or that just simply they're going to have some kind of re like interaction. But the point of a meet cute is that it's serendipitous. Like, you can't plan the meet cute, that's just stalking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying don't shoot your shot if you're in a cafe and RM happens to be there. If that's you, you saved a nation in your past life, you thank that man for his songwriting talents, and you leave him alone. <laughs> but, like, you showing up pants-free at the airport running after them is not the move. <laughs> Just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah. But, yeah, it freaked me out. And it was just so crowded and there were a couple other instances I think in later episodes so I won't go into them but like they couldn't even walk around like yeah Amazon Prime is your best friend but like that's kind of sad they can't even like go out yeah it's weird because sometimes you see videos of them like being left alone <laughs> that time Jungkook like just scootered on by to get banana milk or whatever and like no one was around and then he just like went went home or like there were rumors of like RM just like chilling at a museum and like people left him alone so well that I must be the airport <sighs> yeah there must be sometimes they get left alone like how is Namjoon able to go bike around the Han River or go sit out there so he can go write music and stuff like that and it sounds yeah. like he does often so yeah it wouldn't be the okay I'm not condoning this but in theory it wouldn't be that hard to find him right. or people know he was there right I don't know man airport stuff is nuts because when I get off a plane I am like get me out of here <laughs> talk to nobody <laughs> so I can only imagine to have like a hundred people screaming at you lights flashing in your face yeah no i can kind of understand why they charter flights honestly part of me hates it because i'm like the carbon footprint but then like the other part of me is like they need to sleep and like not be worried about someone taking pictures of like drool coming out of their mouth like did you see that one video this doesn't have to all go into the podcast that one video where like <laughs> The plane is 
uh, like just landed and like everyone gets up and it's clearly a plane that BTS is on and they're all like getting up like super quick as soon as the freaking lights come on so that you can get up and they can go rush to the front so that they can be close to them. I'm like y'all are scary. It's like an entire plane. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. It's like an entire plane. Like now you now you found out what flight they're on. Now that should be illegal. You found out way for that info. That's like crazy. It's even scarier that someone's releasing that information. I was gonna say, how does it get leaked to begin with? I think they would do like background checks out the wazoo, like phone controls. Somebody's releasing it. It's sad. It's like, why do you wanna? What do you think is gonna happen? Do you think you're going to sit next to them on the plane and have a conversation? You and like the fifteen thousand other like YNs like move on. Exactly. I don't even know what I would say to BTS if I met them. But these people probably have an entire dialogue in their head of what they they think they'll say to them. Wow. I I rolled so hard I saw my brain. (laughs) It's crazy. It's weird because I feel like sometimes in the U.S. we're very like live and let live and very chill and then other times I see like the paparazzi like running out of the van at them and they're like oh my god, like, BTS, like, trying to stir something up, or, like... Yeah. I wish we could eliminate paparazzi as well. (laughs) It's like, on one hand, sure, they're beneficial, because they give, you know, certain groups that, um, like, that's how fan sites work in Korea. They give visibility to certain groups that maybe aren't as popular as groups like BTS. Yeah. You would um, never see their picture in, like, right. the news. So, that's beneficial. Same thing for paparazzi, but at the same time, like, it's just so invasive. And they're never nice about it. They're always shouting at you. They're never like, hey, can we get a pic? And you go, no, they're always screaming at you. Turn around! Smile! Hey! Even at the award shows, like, from the clips I've seen, it's, like, very overwhelming when they're like, over here! over here over here i'd be like dude anxiety stop it's like people saying over here all different directions or that's how you get the picture with your eyes pointing two different ways or people like tmz they're just how do they find you on the street and then they ask you the craziest stuff and they do not get out of your face you have to literally run away from them i don't know i think it's human nature to want to know like more about your faves or like have unofficial content like not a formal interview I guess but (sighs) there has to be like limits you know anyway so that was the end of episode two (laughs) we'll take better notes going forward we will be back to review episode three Hasta luego. Bye. Okay, I'm going to hang up for real to save this before I run out of juice. (laughs) Bye. Bye.